0: Well, last week we uh, read out of the first chapter of Deuteronomy. We're going to remain in Deuteronomy. You can turn there. And uh, we read there in the first chapter where God rebuked apathetic Israel with ye have dwelt in this mount long enough. You need to rise up and go and possess the land. Amen. And uh, we're going to read a little further into the book of Deuteronomy in regards to some principles for making spiritual progress. And we're going to read in Deuteronomy chapter 7. As we discussed, you know, last week, it is the will of God, the express will of God that we both individually and corporately move forward and that we would grow and increase in the Spirit. And yet there are some guidelines, if you will, for spiritual success as we go to possess the land. As it says in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Amen. That is a charge that I believe is applicable for you and I in the, under this covenant of grace. Amen. We have two roads before us. We have two choices, only two, but we're going to make one or the other. And the end of those two choices is either life or death, life or death, and we must make the right choice. If we're to finish our course and we're to fulfill the perfect will of God, we dare not step outside of God's prescribed order. And so let's read here regarding uh, our moving out, our rising up to take the land. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, and the Gergeshites and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou, and when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the angle of the Lord be kindled against you, and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars and break down their images, and cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out of the, with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant, and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations, and repayeth them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. Amen. Principles for spiritual progress. Amen. We're going to look at that here this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us here out of your word, compel, provoke us, convict us to rise up, Lord God, to act, Lord, upon your word, to believe you and take your word, Father God, as it is in truth, your authority, your mind, your will expressed to us, Father. And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that each of us here, Lord, would have a faith tender, uh, Lord, uh, sensitive to the leading of your voice. We ask it in Jesus' name. First of all, some things that uh, we want to establish here from the text, pointing out uh, what is obviously the types and shadows, if you will. Just like in last week's message, uh, we know that ancient Israel was God's chosen people. Thus, she is a mirror of the New Testament church. So I will make both individual and corporate applications accordingly. Amen. The land here represents... The pure and the perfect will of God for you and I God has commanded us to take to possess the land and that land represents his perfect will, the promises that are yea and amen in the Lord Jesus Christ He commands us to take it and to occupy the land amen he he expects and he desires to see those promises those uh, uh, the word of God tangibly. Occupied in and displayed through his people. In other words, if we will take the land, then Christ can be known through the vessel of the church. The orders given to the children of Israel here contain New Testament truth and wise spiritual instruction for the church militant. Amen. So let's consider here just some of the more basic, and I believe we could elaborate on this text for, for a long time, for a thousand Sundays, but we're just going to take here some of the most basic spiritual principles that are communicated, amen, as we march forward uh, in the will of God. First of all, and most obviously, we are to go and we are to possess When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it. And notice, it is God that will give the land to us. Amen. the battle is the Lord's. But he's not going to do that independent of us choosing to believe his word. And if we choose to believe his word, then we're going to act upon the word of God. We're to take the land, and we're to take the land as ambassadors For Christ, not selfishly, amen, but as representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. It's important for us to note that God never delivered Israel out of Egyptian bondage, out of mere sympathy. We have to recognize that, amen. He, you know, wasn't just looking down and saying he wanted to make things more convenient for his people. No, no. He had remembered a promise. And more than that, he had a purpose for his people. There is no doubt in his mercy he saw the affliction of his people. But the greater cause was for his glory. A holy people consecrated, apprehended by God himself for his sole purpose in the universe. Now that wasn't going to happen without those people cooperating with the plan and the mind of God. But nevertheless, even God had a greater purpose than just even individual happiness and comfort, even individual salvation though that was included in the purpose. Destiny for them, just like destiny for us, was more than, be, than to be delivered slaves. Amen. But God had called them to be conquerors of empires, caretakers of the miraculous testimony of God. And you see the way that they were delivered, the magnitude, the supernatural nature of that deliverance of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, it is of course typical, as we know, of being born of God under the new covenant. And you see, when we look back at our testimony being brought out from that world, the scope and the magnitude, even the supernatural uh, nature of that deliverance should testify to the fact that God has a greater purpose for you and I. You know, that's something, as I look back in my own experience of being born again, it wasn't just that I was going to hell, though I was going to hell. Amen. It wasn't just that Jesus delivered me from hell. Amen. Though, thank God, I was very conscious, amen, that I was saved from sin. And it wasn't just that I needed forgiveness. I did need forgiveness. Amen. And I understood that. And I recognized it was something conscious when I was cleansed from that inward guilt. By the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are all, you know, basic fundamental truths of, you know, gospel conversion. But the magnitude and the scope of that conversion, it spoke to me. I have a purpose for you. A purpose for you that is greater than your own convenience. A purpose for you that is greater even than your own individual salvation. I have called you as a special person and part of the special people unto me. For my holy purpose. Amen. And if you don't have that sense. Amen. Listen to me. I believe any person that's truly been born again. That was communicated to them. Amen. When they got into this thing. And if you lack that then you're never going to see this rightly. It's always going to be about you and at uh, your convenience and your happiness and your salvation. Amen? And uh, what about the promises of God? And uh, when things don't unfold the way that you uh, imagine that they should unfold, where's God at? How come this is happening to me? You see, listen to me. You have to have a bigger vision than just your world. You have to recognize God saved you for Himself. Amen? You are... His purchased property. And He has redeemed you. Amen. That Christ can live. Amen. That resurrected Christ can live. And be known in and through you. And not just on the individual level. But that you would join and cooperate with the plan of God. In the bigger vision. Amen. Of the church universal. And that we as one man would rise up in the power of the Holy Ghost. To make Christ known to a generation. We must See that. You see, Israel was brought out to be brought in. We find ourselves in great trouble. Amen. When we lose sight of this fact. When we th- when we only think that we've been saved just to make it to endure, amen, to tolerate one another here in the local church, just so we can, you know, not fall out and then go to heaven in the end. No, no, we're very short-sighted when we see things that way. Amen. We've got to recognize that all, amen, is to be sacrificed, that Jesus can be magnified and lifted up, and there is nothing that we would withhold. Amen. God can touch any area of our our life and then he can ask anything of us just so much as Christ can be lifted up and magnified in his church whatever I have to do Amen. For the greater cause. Amen. Thank God I've been saved. Thank God I don't have to go to hell. Thank God I've been delivered from sin. Amen. Those are all truths and I'm not negating that. Amen. They were brought out of Egypt. I don't believe there was a day past that God would be angry with them for looking back, lifting up their hands and saying, thank God I'm no longer an Egyptian slave. There's nothing wrong with that. Amen. I believe that that'd be right for them to do. Right for us to do. Amen. But they needed to get their eyes off of Egypt. Amen. And they need to recognize that there's some more land to take up front. That God put something in front of them that they were responsible Amen, to take care of. Amen. Amen. He called us out of Egypt. And indeed we need to come out. But we come out of Egypt there's more places to go and more land to take. It's only the beginning. So God commanded them to go and to possess. Amen. You see, listen to me. People can endure. They can endure much tribulation, persecution, and self-denial when they truly believe in their heart. The cause is greater than their individual goals. Amen. When you get people that will really believe, amen, the greater is far more important then my individual comfort or my individual goals, whatever that may be, amen, then people will deny themselves that Christ can be lifted up. But when people are centered on themselves and their own ideas and their own little world, I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to glorify Christ, amen, or rather, should I say, it is impossible to glorify Christ with that mentality. You must see, even you've been called to something far greater than yourself. far, far more exceedingly more important than you. You've been drafted into the army of God and you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And you've been given a commission by the great captain of our soul, Jesus Christ. You have enlisted, amen, into the eternal and heavenly warfare that is reality. This is what this is about. Now, what's life? This is what life is about. This is the truth and this is reality. And the word of God defines it and we must recognize there is no cost too great amen, to pay that Jesus amen, would have his way amongst us. Now for them to simply go meant to move upon the designated lands or those lands that God had specifically commanded them to take but to possess meant to occupy. Not unlike Israel of old, today we're not only slow to go, amen, but we're also many times afraid to possess. Now under the new covenant, we know that God is not after real estate, but He's after the human vessel that He can inhabit and display His Son through. And not merely the individual testimony. He didn't call Britt Williams the body of Christ. He called Britt Williams as a member of the body of Christ. Oh, amen. amen. You see it's the body of Christ that really overall has that commission Of fully representing the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not meaning to say that, you know, individuals can, of course, manifest Christ, and we recognize that. And there can be a testimony of Jesus through individual lives. But, you know, we've talked about this many times. Revival or, or Pentecost really represents biblical revival, and it demands that the church be the church. This is when true revival, amen, is when Christ is seen. Fully in his church. And every member is bringing, amen, that portion, amen, of Christ that he has called them to bring and to manifest. Amen. As when uh, Balaam looked over the hill and saw Israel and it said, amen, that every man abided in his tent according, amen, to his tribe. And he said, nothing can curse that. That's blessed. Amen. No, no, no prayer. Amen. I can't curse that. It's blessed. And when you get every man, amen, abiding, in his tent. Amen. According to his tribe. It's going to be blessed. And the devil cannot curse it. And neither can he stop it. But every man has to provide. Amen. Every man has to give all. Every man has to come. Amen. To the church and see. Amen. It's not about me. It's about the greater cause. And nothing is too great. That I wouldn't give all to see. Amen. The land possessed. Amen. In other words. God is after more of the vessels, the human vessels. In other words, he wants all men, he desires that all men come to what? Repentance. He wants men, those men, to give of themselves so that they can be vessels, amen, that God, are potential vessels that God can magnify Christ in. But not only that, he wants all of the vessels that come to him. So he wants more, of course. He wants souls to be saved, but he also wants all of us. All of that individual vessel. You see, the only way that this local church, the only way that we can say it's true, Consuming Fire Fellowship has offered up their body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. The only way that we can confess that is if every single individual soul that makes up this local church, amen, offers up their body as a living sacrifice. It's impossible that this church could offer up its body fully as a living sacrifice apart from the individuals herein that would do the same. Thus we conclude, our emphasis is more, amen, on seeing men truly born of God you see, that's a commission, and we don't de-emphasize. We are commissioned to represent God and to preach the gospel. And that's very simplistic, been very fundamental, but that we're called to go. We're called to go and preach the gospel. But also, and probably more applicable, and more importantly, we are to give all of ourselves. Because how can we rightly demand that other men believe the light of the gospel that we preach to them if we're rejecting any light that the Holy Ghost is revealing to us? You see, for us to to be truly prepared to go, it's not very complicated. We just need to believe God. And if we will believe God, then when we demand that others believe God, then our message will be authentic and real and genuine. But if we refuse, you see, listen to me. I'm not talking about believing what it took for us to get born again. Because there's not a soul in here that hasn't received greater light. As you've heard me say many times before, being born again is just the door, just the beginning. Coming out of Egyptian bondage and being delivered by the mighty hand of God and being brought out of sin and death and darkness is just the beginning of salvation, not the end. And there's the ongoing requirement and condition that we would exercise faith. Amen. That Really, listen to me. The Holy Ghost is preaching to us all the time. The Holy Ghost is giving us light all the time. The same way that we we came into a church one morning and we sat down as a sinner and someone preached the gospel and there was light. Suddenly there was light and we were convicted and we were drawn or someone witnessed to us or one of our family members got born again and they witnessed to us and that through that testimony came light and now there was uh, you know uh, an ultimatum basically now there was a choice to be made we either had to believe what uh, uh, you know was delivered to us by the holy ghost Amen via whatever vessel it may have been or whatever means it may have been or we had to exercise unbelief and reject it every day That's taking place in our lives. Since we've come to Christ, the Holy Ghost is giving us light. Amen. Teaching us. We open the Bible. We read. And the Spirit of God says here, you need to do this. You need to not do this. You need to add this to your life. You need to take this away. Amen. You need to rise up. You need to act. Whatever it may be. Are we really believing the Word of God? Because if we're not believing, amen, we may have gone, but we're not really possessing. The kingdom of God is constituted in redeemed disciples bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, doing, ongoing, amen, doing the will of God by faith in the word of God. We know we have these commandments, amen, and he said unto them in Mark 16 and 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. This is uh, what we see here in the Old Testament, typical. When he said, go and possess the land, at least to some degree, this is typical in the Great Commission. Also in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the, the end of the world. This really, these two commandments here really sum up, even, the Christian experience. Because first you're born again. And then you're taught to observe everything that Jesus has commanded. Amen. And that's, listen to me, that's maturity, that's discipleship, that's growing in the grace of God. Those things are basically implied in these two commandments. And so we have here, uh, you know, paralleled right along with these Old Testament commands, to go and to possess. We have the New Testament commands, to go to preach the gospel and to make disciples. And that includes we. Are to be disciple. How can we see others taught if we refuse, we refuse to be taught ourselves? For us, the application is obvious. To go is to preach. To possess is to disciple. Amen. And not only uh, looking, uh, you know, at that as other people, but we ourselves possessing, becoming the truth that we declare. While today they may promote their flow and grow and stay and please philosophies, there's no other heavenly church growth strategy but go and possess. That's it. That's God's way. Go and possess. We must be convinced that no genuine and lasting increase will take place apart from go and possess. Amen. Whether it's one soul at a time. Amen. And recognizing that not everyone is going to receive the message. And in fact, that many people will reject the message that also as we go to possess the land, there's going to be a battle. not just going to go in some unoccupied land like we went to the moon and just put down a flag and walk on the moon. And now America, this belongs to America. No, no. They got somebody there who calls it their own. And you're going to have to fight them. And so we have an adversary, the devil, who does operate also through human vessels. So we recognize there's a fight. Amen. There is a fight to be waged here. We must be convinced that no matter what, this is God's way and there's no other way. Amen? Not everyone is going to ride in our chariot. In other words, not everyone is going to come to consuming fire fellowship. Not everyone's going to agree. Not everyone's going to endorse your interpretation of the Scripture. Amen? You have to be ready for that. In other words, understand there's going to be a battle. And the pattern of this can be seen all through the Old Testament. Every time Israel violated, amen, these principles that we're going to talk about here this morning, though there may have been a temporal increase, or they may, it may have been a seemingly peace in the land, amen, she was suddenly exposed, amen, it may have seemed impressive for a moment to the natural eye, but a little bit of time exposed. You violate the principles of God, you're going to pay the price. And likewise, we must understand, we will never truly possess, amen, if we refuse to go. Amen. They both go hand in hand. If we're going to go and preach the gospel, then we also have to be willing to possess the land that God has shown us. Just like I said before, we must declare the truth, but we almost all also must become the truth, amen, that we preach. The gospel must be truly preached, but likewise to be truly preached, amen, we must truly believe the word of God. And you know, it's easy to toss around that word, believe. It's, e- and we do that. We, you know, I believe all the Bible from cover to cover. No, you only believe what you do. And that's what reveals what you believe. And if you don't do it, you don't believe it. And that's the truth. We believe what we do reveals what we believe. And that's it. And that's the way we do. You see, because if we hear, amen, but we don't do, then we're deceived to believe that we believe. Amen? So if we're going to be good agents, representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ, we must go. But likewise, we must possess. Amen? Yes, God has chosen the foolish to confound the wise, the weak to confront the mighty, the base, the despised, the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. Amen? That no flesh would glory in His presence. You see, these things, they seem to the natural mind counterproductive. And we know, we don't have to do, uh, go into detail on that. We know that preaching, amen, is foolishness to those who what? Who perish, amen. And the whole methodology of God in going about and uh, communicating the mind of God. Going about really to govern a church, to disciple people, to see, you know, the church flourish. Amen, The the, the, the pattern and the model of the New Testament church is totally contrary to the carnal mind. But God has chosen these things because it's his plan. Amen. And He's been, he has called us to his purpose. Secondly, as we go and as we possess, we must be very careful to never compromise. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. You see, God's intention is that his people are to be unmistakably separate and unique, amen, from the lost world. As they went, Israel, amen, as they possessed, they were to transform the cultural and the spiritual landscape. Amen, as they went, amen, no, will be no doubt, amen, God's Israel has just passed through our culture and our land. They didn't put up a billboard, God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is the ruler of Canaan, while the Canaanites still offered up their children to Molech. No, no, it didn't work like that. Amen. There was a true transformation that took place. When Israel was obedient to this charge, she left a wreckage of sin, paganism, and idolatry in her wake. Nothing was spared at all. Amen. This is the God of love, the God of the Bible, who is the God of love. Amen. Nothing was spared. No mercy whatsoever extended to that paganism. God commanded, don't you intermingle. Don't marry. Make no covenant whatsoever. But this is what you're to do. Destroy their altars and break down their images and cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. You know, incidentally, I just heard that uh, uh, Chick-fil-A, we read something where they're kind of crawfishing on their position, kind of uh, saying they're not going to give money to uh, anti-gay groups anymore. Well, you know, the pressure, the political pressure is uh, intense. And so they came out and publicly uh, basically said they weren't going to give to this particular, their, their charity group, which gives to, you know, when I, say, when I say anti-gay, I'm talking about the Family uh, Research Council. and I mean, groups that we would think would be, you know, mild. <laughs> we would think they would be very loving. They're ashamed to say. You better, but you bet, in fact, I, I want to send all my money to, I want all my money to go to charities that are all anti-gay. Cause God's anti-gay. No, he's not anti-gay. He's anti-sodomite. Amen. I'm gay because I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. You understand what I mean by that. <laughs> <laughs> How does that up will destroy their altars, break down their images? We're not saying we don't want Sodomites to be born again. We wish their highest good. But that paganism, that sin, that evil, we are trying to communicate that God hates it. That's part of the message. Amen. They didn't, listen to me, when Israel walked into that land, listen, there was no mistake. Amen. The hammers, the jackhammers were going. Amen. The machetes were swinging. The axes were flowing. Altars were coming down. The groves were cut to the ground. Nobody made any mistake that their God is against what we're doing. That was to be communicated as they took the land. Everything was to be brought under the authority of God. And so it was. The one striking, immediate, and visible mark of Israel's occupation was change. Listen to me. Change. Great, swift, sweeping, moral change. Amen. And listen to me. Indeed, the gospel is about transformation. Amen. If the gospel is not about transformation, then we're all deceived. If Jesus tells men to repent, commands that men repent and believe, amen, and they're to turn away from uh, dead idols to the living God, they're to turn away from paganism, amen, and turn away from their darkness to the light, then there must be, amen, change in that life. The gospel is about change. If the gospel does not forever change us, amen, then we are confusing it with something else. And this is the gospel of the Bible on the individual level and also on the corporate level. Now, let's not limit that though just to the beginning. Amen? Let's not limit that just to the beginning. Let's limit that. And I believe there ought to be an ongoing conformity to the Lord Jesus Christ. There will be ongoing growth. It doesn't matter how you you say, I haven't sinned in 10 years. Amen, if that's your testimony, praise God. I thank God for that. I believe that is a good Christian testimony. That is a normal Christian testimony. But if you tell me in those 10 years, Amen, I'm exactly the same. I'm going to tell tell you that you have sinned and you're a liar. Because if you're living holy, you're going to still be conformed to the image of Christ. And that is eternal because He is eternal. There ought to be change. And when we haven't changed in two, three, four, five years, we're not possessing the land. Amen. When when we just find ourselves going around the same mountain, we find ourselves not overcoming. Maybe we find ourselves fighting the same battle. Now, listen to me. I believe many times people get to, don't, I'm not telling you to be discouraged. Amen. Because you fought a battle and you fell again in something. Do you understand? Amen. You, you get up and you're going to get the victory. But, but I'm not telling, if you do, if you, if you fall in area and you truly repent, Amen. And you're overtaken again and you truly repent. I'm going to tell you don't come back 10, 15 years from now and tell, I still haven't got the victory. Something's wrong with that. Amen. God will deliver you. Amen. He will deliver you. That doesn't mean give up. Amen. But I can tell you this. If you do, if you're fighting a battle, you are going to get the victory if you truly submit to God. You may be overtaken. You don't have to be. But if you're overtaken, that doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to get the victory. If you believe God and refuse to be denied, then you're going to get the victory. But that's going to demand that we're constantly being conformed. Amen. And molded into the image and the character of Jesus. Well they occupied a land. Friend, there was change. Until the change was absolute. You think they marched into a place? They said, Well, ninety percent. We got ninety percent of the altars. No, they just went to the law and said, destroy their altars. What you think that means? It means every altar they got here. <laughs> every last one. None less standing. Break down their images. You reckon that means all the image, Every last image. They're in and there, and they took it all to the ground. They burned it with fire, and they did away with it. And listen to me. When it's all done, listen to me, there's going to be change. And there's got to be change in our life. Amen. And if there's not change, we come to a place where there's no transformation, no being conformed to the image of Christ, no growing in grace, then something is amiss. God utterly prohibited Israel from having any respect for their pagan gods, their pagan ways, or their unscriptural practices. Now, you know the world thinks, even, you know, and again, you know, I'm just bringing up the Chick fil A thing for, uh, because it's recent and it's something, you know, very applicable here. But, uh, you know, from the very beginning, there really wasn't a scriptural position. I mean, thank God. I went there. I'd soon buy, you know. Uh, a, a, ch- a chicken sandwich made by someone who'll say, I'm for, you know, marriage is defined by the Bible than someone who wouldn't, amen? But really, it wasn't a purely biblical response if you read the article and you read what he said because the biblical response would be to say, God hates Sodom. And you can take this little chicken frying business I got and wrap it up and throw it into hellfire. But I'm not going to change my mind about that, whether you and your sodomites like it or not. Eat my fried chicken or not. Okay, any of you eat my fried. I'll eat my fried chicken. Amen. But God is anti-sodomite. That's the biblical position. I'd be eating lots of chicken sandwiches as he said that. I tell you what, we've been having chicken sandwiches every day. I'd be... (laughs) I could really rejoice in someone who would stand for God like that, but I can tell you, this world, blind by sin, wouldn't believe that that's loving. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It would be the ability of love—love yes, love for God, Amen. And of course, add in—I I want all my sodomite, you know, friends who are perverts to be changed into regular, normal people that have, you know, regular desires and to love Jesus. Get married and have children. Amen. And come eat my fried chicken. Hallelujah. He could have said that too. But God, amen, He was against them having any sympathy with the wickedness of the land. Likewise, He strictly forbid that they show mercy or have compassion on that which was under His divine judgment. Now we know in the New Testament dispensation that our possession is not land and our enemy is not people. But... When we look back, we can glean and learn from those types and shadows. The only folks, and people did find mercy outside of Israel. You think about people like Rahab, the harlot, amen? Well, how did she find mercy? She sympathized with Israel. What'd she do? She was convinced that God was with them. She was afraid of the God that was behind Israel. And so she sided with whom she knew was going to win at the end of the book. And really, that's the same as today. God wants to have mercy on everyone, and God would have mercy in the under the Old Testament if those pagan nations would have dropped their. Your God is God. Have mercy. We'll serve you. Huh? He'd had mercy on them. We're going to help you tear down the altars. You see, listen to me in this hour. If men are convicted by the Holy Ghost. Amen. If men will join themselves with the church, then that's where they're going to find mercy. But if they stand in their sin, oh, uh, obstinate, amen, against God, then God's wrath abideth upon them, and we are to warn them of the repercussions of their rebellion. Remember in Bunyan's progress, Christian never said there was any hope whatsoever for the city of destruction. Only for those who fled away from it. He never said God want to have anything to do with that thing. Amen, it's going to burn, be burned to the ground. You better get out of that thing. However, these commands communicate God's unwavering demand that we remain separate and undefiled as we go and possess. We cannot make a league with those Amen that God or rather Israel couldn't make a league with those that God had uh those that that he had called them to unseat in the land. There can be no league forged with sin likewise, or Satan, the world, or carnality. Amen. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We're to show no mercy or compassion on the methods, sentiments, and philosophies of our past or the present philosophies of any sinner that we're ministering to. We want to see mercy and compassion upon any soul, no matter how wicked they are. We want to see them come to repentance. But we recognize there's only one way. They've got to join up with us. We don't join up with them. Romans 12 and 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our collective motto must be slay with the sword, burn with the fire. Of course, for us, that's in the spirit. Amen. And really, listen to me. What else can you take from these directives given to Israel? And who can deny that that is the same God that sent Jesus Christ to redeem us from sin? Amen. That is the, that, and listen to me. That sums up, Amen, a kindred spirit with those that have been truly born again. Their whole attitude towards sin in the world, slay with the sword, burn with the fire. Yet today, compromise is unconsciously one of the key ingredients in the church growth recipe. Amen. Instead, you see, what they find is people don't like the standard. So the people say, I'm going to fall away. I'm going to backslide. I'm not going to come to your church. Well, the leadership, they say, Well, don't do that. We'll change the church and we'll all just stay together. Don't leave. We'll make it, we'll accommodate to you. Amen. Uh, Such unscriptural concepts should never be mentioned among us. Amen. This kind of compassion, amen, which is really no compassion at all, is nothing but hatred and it is forbidden by God even though it is in abundance today and it is palmed off as something Jesus commands. We had better take seriously the command to sever ourselves from our past and from present temptation. You know, worldliness is more than just, you know, drinking a beer, although that's worldly. It's far more complex, far more subtle than that. It's more than just going to a movie or being immodest, although those things are obviously wrong against the Word of God. But all of our attitudes, the way that we, you know, order our lives and our marriages and the philosophies and principles uh, whereby we live in every area of life. We cannot mimic the world. We cannot, and listen to me, what happens is when a man really, when when a man comes to Jesus and sees, amen, his sin and his independence from God as it is in reality, he recognizes I've got to be completely and totally emptied of everything. Not just that, you know, I was a bar hopper and I'm going to put that on the side, but I'm going to, you know, run my business like I saw my daddy run his business. No, no. I, I'm going to go about, you know, uh, 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 you know, in my marriage, uh, the way that I saw my parents. They had a pretty good marriage. So I'm going to do it their way, even though they were sinners. No, no. Every area of life, allowing the Spirit of God to come in and to tear down every altar, to tear down any image, anything, any trace of paganism, or that which is basically outside of the dictates of the Word of God and the character of Christ, It's all to be burned in the fire. It's impossible to see patterns and trends apart from time. You cannot establish a pattern or see a pattern, discern a pattern, unless you can step back and make observation. But, you know, uh, for example, in my experience, I've been walking with Jesus for 25 years. And if the pattern which I've seen holds true, amen, in 10 years, very few people that you and I know will still be the same person in Jesus Christ. And it will be for the worse rather than the better. Amen? And that's not an accusation against the faithfulness of God, but it's an indictment against the pride, rebellion, and the spiritual apathy of man. And I'm not trying to make that application just for someone outside of us. What will this church look like in 10 years? You know how many people, if I went back 10 years in this church right now, you know how long the the list would be longer than the people here that are gone in the world or in a bad place. Most of them without even question in the world. Some of them would be in churches, but we would have to question where they are in God. You've heard me say before, the three pastors, that I sat under, the six associate pastors that I sat under, eight men that I was licensed with personally to preach the gospel, three men I was personally ordained to preach the gospel with, not one single one of them is still serving God. Or, again, there's a few of them in church, but I I would not want to put my neck on the chopping block, amen, and say I believe they're right with God or off with my head. You think about that. But that's not an indictment against the faithfulness of God. To show the human tendency is to grow cold and to backslide. Right. And if we need any other motivation and inspiration to be afraid of ourselves, our own experience should point us to the altar. You know, you can count on your hand right now. Just take inventory in your mind. All the people that you say, I know they were genuinely right with God. Amen. Ten years ago. And where are they now? Are we any better than they are? We're not. We're just like them. Amen. We're flesh and blood and we need Jesus. And our children need Jesus. Jesus. Our children need the moving of the Spirit. They need to see the testimony of people on fire for God. People that are jealous for the glory of God. They absolutely need that. And that is our moral obligation to them. Don't be deceived, saint of God. We cannot live loose, fast, and careless with our salvation. And neither can we live apathetic. We can't. Of course, we can't be extreme and compromise. But you know, compromise isn't always that extreme. You know, the Bible always recognizes. You go read the records of the the kings of Israel and Judah. You know, the Holy Ghost remembered, but the groves and the altars, He touched not. He did not remove. The Holy Ghost knows what's left. The Holy Ghost knows areas where people refuse to allow the Spirit of God in. You see, sometimes only He does know those kinds. Maybe no one else understood. Maybe everyone else of that King there has dealt with everything, but the Holy Ghost knew He didn't deal with everything. See, compromise can be subtle. It may not be the gross or the obvious, but nevertheless, there's always repercussions for compromise. If we refuse to go and refuse to possess in other words, refuse to declare and refuse to become what we declare. Amen. Then we are going to ultimately fail in our calling as God has delivered us for his purpose. In other words, when he brought Israel out, Amen. He said, this is a special people. I didn't choose you because you were large in number. I didn't s- select you because you were better than everyone else. Amen. In my mercy and in my love, I separated you to be a special people unto. For my holy purpose. What could be more awful. Than not fulfilling that. And listen to me. If that's not our heart. Then we won't fulfill it. If our greatest fear. Is not. Oh God. Don't, don't let me die. Without finishing. What you called me to finish. Amen. Not just. I hope I can hang on. And make it to heaven. And I fear that's what many—that's the spirit most professing Christians have. Oh God, I just want to make it to heaven, just climbing up the rough side. Hope I can make it in. No, our great fear needs to be, Oh God, don't let me expire, don't, don't let me don't let me backslide. I want to do what you called me to do. Make me faithful. If we're going to be continue with God, it'll be necessary. To make painful and often costly choices. You know, I look back, I remember critical times in my own Christian walk, amen, where if I, you know, would not have been led by the spirit and the word, I would have been destroyed. I mean, really, you know, when you, you know, travel through the valley and then God brings you through and puts you up on the mountain from that vantage point, you can turn around and you can see the great dangers, the pitfalls, the snares, the schemes of the enemy. And there have been times in my life where it was this close Amen. where, you know, if I would have made the wrong decision or went this way and perhaps God would have got a hold of me and I, and I believe he could have, but I'm just simply saying I would have been, you know, brought way off course. It was only his mercy. And you see the, the little, the seemingly little incidentals, the seemingly, you know, well, I've handled most of it. I don't drink. I don't smoke. Those little foxes spoil the vine. We've got to choose to walk on the highest ground that we know of. We've got to choose to walk on the highest ground. That's the only safe place there is. Psalm 119 and 30, I have chosen The way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. We must not be weary in well-doing. We must not be discouraged in the way. Amen. And neither can we find a place of ease in Zion. This is all part of the concept of not compromising with the inhabitants of the land. Do you understand? In other words, I'm trying to make you see it's not just that, yes, we can't listen to rock and roll. We, We We don't need to be submitted to TBN. But neither do we need to be prayerless. Neither do we, you know, need to find a place where I'm satisfied not to be filled with the Holy Ghost every moment of my existence. That's compromise, too. And considering, amen, the life that we have, perhaps that's an even greater compromise. It's just as bad. And we've got to see it that way. And finally here this morning, our motivation for the glory of God. Verse 6, Deuteronomy 7, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. See, God has a greater purpose for us than merely to minister to our felt needs. Amen. And even, you know, again, eternal need. Even though that is a need, I needed to be saved. Amen. I needed to be saved from sin. I needed to be forgiven for sin against God. Amen. And I was on my way to hell, and I want to go to heaven. Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's a much greater, much greater purpose. We are a holy and a special people, redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, not merely so we can escape hellfire, but for the exaltation and for the glory of God. If we lose the vision of this all-consuming sense of the heavenly call, amen, if we are not under the constraining of this type of love for God, we will find that we will ultimately be content to wander rather than to rise up to possess and to conquer. Amen. If we don't have that call, you see, it's not enough. I want to go to heaven. Because you see, if, I, if our thought is, well, I'm all right. I, I think I'm still, you know, going to a funeral. I don't care whose funeral you go to. Always that question the Holy Ghost asks. He asked me. Could be you laying there. Could have been you. Are you ready to die? That's a good question the Holy Ghost to ask you. It's not just about going to heaven, amen. The only way to be ready to die is to be equipped to live for Jesus moment by moment. Amen. If you're equipped to live for Him and you're equipped to conquer the land for Jesus, then you're ready to meet your Maker. But if you're not ready to live for Him, if you're not equipped to overcome Amen. If you're not after the, after the will of God for His glory, then you're not really ready to die. You're not seeing it rightly. How do we see this? Is this something you can just intellectually communicate to people? Not really. You really can't. In other words, if a, a man has a burning uh, 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 passion for Christ, if a man has a burden from God, if a man is standing in the reality of the holiness of the all the kingdom of God and all the gospel, he can tell other people about it. He might provoke other people to taste of it, but he really can't communicate that on merely an intellectual level. It's for every individual to come and to taste and to see and to discover that the Lord is indeed Like Isaiah, even he saw the Lord. You know what we need? We need to see God. You need to see God afresh. I need to see God. We'll see God and all his holiness. That's all we have need of to provoke us. But if we don't see God as he is, we're not going to be provoked. You hear me? The veil, the Holy Ghost is just on the other side. And you know what he's saying? Reads through. By the shed blood of Christ, pull back and gaze afresh. On the holy, magnificent, uplifted, magnified character of God. The Holy Ghost invites us into these altars to see God afresh. Let's come. Recently, I just spirit of God just make it real to me how fragile you know we really are outside of him amen we live in very very dangerous times there's great upheaval we know that There's great upheaval that we don't even understand exactly what's going on. But we know what's going on. We know this is the last time. How far down the road. But we know know there's great changes taking place in our country. That there's judgment. There's great spiritual implications. None of us truly understand exactly what's happening. But... (laughs) Well, what do we do and we, we all wonder that you know what 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 actions should we take and, you know the economy could crash, you know Islam could take over there's all kind of fear and just as the Bible says, men's hearts failing for fear. I can tell you what we need to do. We need to be full of the Holy Ghost. That's the answer. Be full of the Holy Ghost. You know, just recently, just seeing, you know, the enemy attacking, not just us, everybody. But, you know, there's people falling away. And not just, you know, let's not define falling away as we have to become, you know, TBN. We can fall away and be Pentecostal and have fully clothed, fully dressed, not listen to, you know, contemporary Christian music and preaching on the... We can be fall away and do all that. That isn't thank God for those things, but that doesn't make it, you know, absolute, uh, you know, irrefutable that if you do those things, you're not falling away. We can we can be uh, conservative in the in the spirit and uh, and still be falling falling away from Christ. So you know, I recognize that. But it was kind of like when I was young, uh, you know, my dad was a big fisherman, a bass fisherman. We used to fish. A lot of times in the spillway, when I was young, and we'd drive down to Henderson or whatever, and put the boat out. And I mean, wait, thir- three o'clock in the morning, get out there way before uh, the sun came up. And uh, you know, I was little. I'd sleep in the truck, and then get out there on the boat, and I might even lay down on the bow of the boat, you know, with my life preserver on. And we'd go way back up into the swamp. And uh, my dad, when we get back where we were going, he you know, turn the motor off, and then he'd put his trolling motor down and go way further back where you couldn't go with, uh, even pull the motor up so it wouldn't bottom out. And, but when we went back there, he would paddle and use it. To, and I'd be, as little children do, you know, kind of distracted, and sometimes I, it'd be dark. I would stick my hand over the, and play in the water, reach out in the tree, and all he had to do is say, Don't, you better keep your hand inside the boat. Turn the light on. And if you've been in the spillway, you know what I'm talking about. Snakes everywhere. Everywhere. Now, when I saw that, I got in the middle of the boat. (laughs) Nowhere close to the side. I didn't even want to be anywhere near. where I could put my finger over there and take a nip at it or something. (laughs) We need to see that in the spirit. We we don't really see how fragile. (laughs) The water. Only safe in the boat. Only safe in Jesus. This little church here, we're only safe in Christ. And if we don't really shore up to build, amen, to, to rise up, to take the land, to build an ark, so to speak, to the saving of our soul and the protection of our family and to the glory of God, we are going to fall into trouble. We need to seek God. Amen. And if we don't see our need, you see, as long as it was dark and I couldn't see the danger, I was confident. put my hand way down in the water. I had to see first. Once I saw, oh, that's dangerous. If we see things right, it'll help us, amen. We can't see our predicament right. We can't see the reality of things right outside of the context of seeing God rightly. The only way we're going to see God is to ask Him to show us. I I want to see you. I want to know you. I need a revelation of you afresh. And that's a prayer he'll answer. I'm thankful for what God's done in my life up to this point. I'm thankful for what God's done in your life. I'm thankful for what God's done in this church. I'm thankful for whatever victory, whatever land we possess. But we cannot grow complacent. Amen. We have to fight that with all of our heart that's the enemy. Listen to me. That enemy right now, it is plotting our demise. Complacency and apathy. It is seeking to destroy us. We need to resist the devil and he'll flee from us. Let's stand. Amen. Here this morning. Hallelujah. Brother Joe, could you dismiss us with prayer? Lord. Lord willing Wednesday night I'm going to talk about the Holy Ghost is going to talk to us through me about consequences if we are not here this warning of apathy Amen and hopefully next Sunday we're going to talk about just some practical things we can do that will help us just to, to rise up out of this shake it off and move forward Amen God bless you I someone as you go we'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock Let's come back ready to seek the Lord.